0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. My inheritance was the knowledge that love is always in the air, always a possibility, and always worth it. Lynn Painter, Better Than the Movies. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, Bookshelf floor manager Olivia Schaefer and I are discussing Beach Read Book Flights, the perfect literary pairings to take to the beach this summer. If you're looking for other titles to add to your TBR list this summer, consider joining us for our seasonal literary first look. At noon on May 25th, the Bookshelf is hosting a webinar on Zoom where I'll reveal my and Bookshelf staffers' favorite newly released titles for summer. We'll cover literary fiction, mysteries, rom-coms, and memoirs, all in service to ensure you've got just what you need to make your library hold requests and indie bookstore pre-orders. Tickets are $15 and include access to the live event as well as the recording, a PDF of our favorite titles, and a discount code in case you want to purchase your books directly from the bookshelf. Just go to com or click the link in our show notes to snag your ticket. Now, back to the show. Hi, Olivia. Hey. It's been a minute since we've done a book flight.
1: It has. It's almost a full year. No, less than that. Fall. We did it in fall. I was like, when did yes. we do it? <laughs> well, there was the, the school reads, the campus novels, right? Did we do Spooky? Am I making we that up? We did Spooky, yeah, because okay. we did two.
0: So we're back to talk about book flights and we're talking beach reads, which we tried to get a third seat on this podcast. <laughs> podcast, because really we knew- hard. <laughs> we did try so hard because we knew that you and I definitely have categories of beach reads, but we were like, oh, uh, you know, adding a third seat is always fun. But quite frankly, I don't know if people sometimes realize scheduling the podcast is also about scheduling bookshelf staffers. It's being respectful of people like Hunter and Ashley who have regular day jobs. like. <laughs> and so sometimes you just have to go with what you know And what I knew was that Olivia and I can talk about book
1: flights (laughs) and we can talk about them at the scheduled time. Well, and then you have to remember that, like, this isn't a part of people's regular day job. Right. Because in my head, I was like, well, I'm in my day job. Right. And I was like, well, <laughs> yes, but
0: Ashley at Fresh from Florida can't just hop on a podcast about books. <laughs> maybe if we were talking about agriculture,
1: Posting about <laughs> strawberries and, yes. and all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, maybe then it would be okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's what people Hunter says all the time that people assume he works at the bookshelf. Like that's just their assumption.
1: That's and hilarious. he has to correct
0: them. Yes. We love Hunter and he yeah. is a good friend of the store, but this is not part of his daily." tasking. He's just really kind and comes on the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's just really nice. He also draws portraits of all of our staff. Yeah. He's
0: just incredibly nice. Yeah. So first of all, book flights, if you are not familiar with the concept is when we take, I like three titles. Three to me feels like the perfect book flight. I feel like five is a little bit too many. So basically we work and pair, pair sounds like two, we bring together three or maybe sometimes five books that kind of relate to one another or are in the same genre or the same kind of landscape, like you would, this concept is unfamiliar to me, but like you would a flight of alcohol, say, or... or I was just
1: thinking about that before I came on this. I was like, does she know that like normally a flight would be like like a tasting of like yes. alcohol. <laughs> I do. Only because I mean, surely only, you do. <laughs> because of because of Jordan and the context yeah.
0: clues that exist in the world.
1: Like even if I <laughs> The power of deduction
0: has led me. (laughs) Yes. As as I've been a patron of many a restaurant, I've put together (laughs) that flights are tastings. You know what I wish, though? I wish people would do, like, ice cream flights, which I bet they do somewhere. Oh, I'm sure
1: someone does.
0: Yeah. Or French fry flights. Like,
1: (gasps) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like- Tater tot flights.
0: mm, I would do that. Like, I'm already, I'm even thinking, because Sweetgrass, our, one of our local restaurants, does beer flights, but mm-hmm. they could do their, they could do a fry flight with their different dipping sauces.
1: Yeah. What about, like, uh, like something from Sweet Cacao? What are those called? Yeah. I chocolate? feel like I always say them wrong. <laughs> uh, chocolate? <laughs> chocolate flights? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Truffle flights? No. <laughs> the the macaroons, macarons? Macaron? Oh, macaron flights, yes. There you go. Macaron I food. pronounced it twice and still said it wrong. Well, because there's two we
0: we will digress. There's two kinds of macarons. It's like a thing, right? Like the ones with two O's are the Southern thing. The ones with one O's are like the French thing.
1: Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever sweet kick makes. I, I They don't do the one O
0: <laughs> macarons. Yes, I would too. <laughs> so What we decided is even though there are two of us, we read diversely, we read eclectically. And so we each came up with two book flights that we think would be perfect for your summer reading. So I thought I would kick us off with probably maybe your stereotypical beach read flight, the rom-com flight. So, I tried to think, and I didn't just want to do three random rom coms or even three five star rom coms. I wanted to pick rom coms that were built around summer, were, were built around vacations, something that I thought would be appropriate to take to the beach. So, I want to start with the book that I quoted at the top of the episode. This is called Better Than the Movies. It's by Lynn Painter, and it's a young adult rom com, which it had been a long time since I had read a YA rom com. And I forget. A well-done YA rom-com is so delightful because it's probably, for my kind of reader, right, it's probably going to be closed door and it's just going to be kind of sweet and innocent and funny because they're high schoolers. And this book was really an homage to the 90s rom-com movie a lot of the tropes that our main character kind of plays with have to do with movies that her mom showed her when she was little. And her mom has since passed away. And so her way of kind of honoring her mother is living a life in homage to the romantic comedy. And our main character's name is Liz. Liz lives next door to a guy named Wes. They don't get along. They kind of hate each other. And then a former classmate comes back on the scene and Liz wants to get in his good graces and Wes is going to help her. And of course, a kind of love triangle resumes or, or takes place. But you as the reader really know that Liz and Wes are the two who are probably meant for each other. There's actually quite a bit of depth to this novel because of the role grief plays in Liz's character. The reason I picked it for A Flight for Beach reading is because it is set in a school year toward the end of the year. And so I like reading books set in the season in which I am living. So one of the, the central plot points of the book is prom. And I just feel like May always makes me think of graduation, prom, like all those kind of senior year milestones. And this book handles them really well. So well that in in fact, I really am so curious what else Lynn Painter has written. I just loved this book so much. I, I read it and the whole time I thought, our customer, Kimberly Berg, customer and friends Kimberly <laughs> Berg would love this book. Like It's just so charming and delightful and I think would be a great way to kick off some beach reading. Then I paired that with Love Buzz. This is by Neely Tubati Alexander. It's a new rom-com that came out earlier this year in a paperback original format. The reason I picked this one because it's another homage to... A, an early 2000s romantic comedy called Serendipity. And it takes place, it starts at a bachelorette party in New Orleans and then goes to the character's kind of regular normal life in Seattle. There's also a small business element that I think is pretty fun. But the connecting factor between this and, and Better Than the Movies is that homage to a romantic comedy film. And this one is decidedly more adult. It's It's pretty, I would say it's PG-13, but certainly is more open door than Better Than the Movies. But I liked it because of just how it's playing with meat cutes and with kind of the fate of falling in love. And then I paired that with a book I read and enjoyed on my own vacation a few years ago, The Layover by Lacey Walden. And... I, I really did kind of red thread this out because I thought, okay, those, the first two books have to do with the movies. That second book, Love, Buzz, deals with some plane travel and going from New Orleans to Seattle. Um, our main character has a really lovely interaction with an older passenger on that flight. That flight plays a big role in the book. And then obviously the layover is about flight. It's about two flight attendants who are stuck on a long layover together and really choose to make the best of it. They typically kind of are at each other's throats. So that goes back to the enemies to lovers trope from our first book. I really did think a lot about this. Like,
1: I really, I really <laughs> no, did No, they think sound hard. very cohesive.
0: <laughs> yes, I really did think about all the tasting notes that go into making a perfect pairing. And so anyway, you can start with the young adult novel, Better Than the Movies by Lynn Painter, move into Love Buzz, which I've talked about before on the podcast by Neely Tubati-Alexander, and then end with The Layover, maybe hopefully on your own, vacation this is by Lacey Walden. She's actually got a new book out this summer, but it is set in like small town rural South, and that sounds delightful, but that didn't feel vacationy enough to me. So these three books I thought would pair really well for your beach reading this summer if you like romantic comedies.
1: That's my first flight. That was a really good flight.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> I know that you don't like I know that you don't like romantic comedies at all, but no. I don't. <laughs> but, but i hope someone out there will find them charming and delightful
1: it's okay i feel like in the way that like it, it, people either love rom-coms or hate rom-coms mm-hmm. by flight of thrills and chills people will either love or hate in the okay. same way you know what i mean sure. yes it's it's that kind of polarizing thing did you go to prom no Okay. That's what I thought. I, I <laughs> thought about that while you were talking about the person. I was like, she just doesn't seem like the type of person who would be interested in going to
0: prom. I was not interested in prom. Um, First of all, my school. Did that hurt
1: your mother? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it, actually, you know, my parents, it's not just my mother. My parents are incredibly, what is the word I'm looking for? Traditional, but I don't mean like conservative traditional. I mean, yeah. they just are like, don't you want to hit the milestones <laughs> that every person yeah. hits? So, my dad. And he was
1: like, absolutely.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. My dad is the person who was very interested in oh. prom, homecoming. So, I did not go to prom, partly because my school's prom was sponsored by the parents, because my school was a Christian school. And so, they did banquets instead of proms. They didn't want anybody dirty dancing, you know what I mean? And so, I went to my school senior banquet in a polka dot dress and tennis shoes, as is my brand.
1: <laughs> Nailed <the> Annie's. <laughs>
0: that's right. And my dad and I took a picture in front of our fireplace, which I think is all he really wanted.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what he was in it for. <laughs> Did you go to prom? Did your school even have a prom? Yeah, I went to prom twice. And oh, the first time I was the only one in my friend group without a date which was super okay. awkward. They put me in the middle of every single photo, which of I course. hated. I can't tell you enough you. how much I hated that. And then the <sighs> second time, someone found me a date, but it was horrible.
0: Yeah, I went with friends. Yeah, yeah. I and I My friends back and I'm were like, all about
1: being paired up though. So like if I oh, didn't have a date the second time, to. it would have been just as bad as the first time.
0: You would have been in the so, middle of all the pictures again.
1: Yeah, and I hate that type of attention.
0: What's worse, bad date or no date?
1: Bad day. Agreed. Then you're obligated for them. you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like an obligation to like be around them, be with them, yeah,
0: contain Take the whatever is going. happening. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks. No date, you're just kind of like, hey, if I don't want to be here, I can just go like sit outside on that balcony. Yeah. And, like I ignore people, which is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was I just, great. I sat well, out at a picnic table <laughs> for a while. So when I
0: said did you go to prom, the answer is, uh, I sat at a picnic table. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> uh, but it was great. But that's why I think it's fun to read about those things. Or there's a very cute new movie on Disney Plus about prom that's very much in service to like the 80s movies that I love, only less problematic. And it was charming and delightful. But but I'm glad those years are done for
1: me. Same. Those years were anxiety-filled. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my flight is thrills and chills. Okay. And I kind of paired these books together uh, similarly to how you did. They're, they're all like a domestic type setting, if almost suburbia type setting, but it's like domestic scare meets like social behavior study. Okay. I'm here for all <laughs> Which of those things. is really my sweet spot in reading. And then when I tell you and describe these three titles, some of you are going to be like, is she okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right. I am okay. <laughs> She's totally fine. It's fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's fiction. So my first one is Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Curran, which was one of my shelf subscriptions from a year or two back, I think at this point. But this is an author who, she has a PhD in social psychology, which definitely comes into play in her writing and in this book, which is about this girl, Chloe Sevra, who's a freshman at a college. And she got accepted into this clinical study for psychopaths because she is a psychopath. I think the first line in the book it it's Chloe it's from her point of view and she's talking about how she's going to this college mm-hmm. specifically so that she can kill this kid Will Bachman which we find out later on why she wants to kill him but she's a part of this clinical study that has seven psychopaths total and none of them ever interact they don't meet they just wear these watches that like monitor their moods and their movements but they always like they meet with their their mentor at like different times, like none of them crossed paths because they figured maybe that wouldn't be a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) For safety. Right. And then one of the students in that study is murdered and everyone starts to kind of look at Chloe or one of the other psychopaths in there. And all of a sudden you're like rooting for this girl who is still trying to kill this kid, Will Bachman. You're just like, but it's not Chloe. (laughs) And then you're like, but she is a psychopath. (laughs) Um, so it's a real, like, you don't know where you lie in this story. Uh Like, are you rooting for Chloe or are you not rooting for Chloe? But it was just so well done. My next book is The First Day of Spring by Nancy Tucker, (laughs) which also this author, um, also studied psychology at the University of Oxford, which I just found out now while researching <laughs> this book, not when I was reading it, um, but it makes a lot of sense
0: uh-huh. because
1: this is about, we meet Chrissy when she's eight. And the first line of the book is how Chrissy just killed a boy in her neighborhood.
0: I remember this
1: book. Yes. I'll, I'll pause for the gasps that are happening <laughs> and cars driving everywhere. They're, right all
0: go, they're all saying to themselves, did I just hear her correctly? You did.
1: <laughs> yes. Chrissy is eight and she just killed a boy. But what you start to learn about Chrissy is she lives in like an extremely neglectful home. She is just starved for attention at her home, in her community, because everyone just thinks she's this off kid, which she is for reasons that she can't control. And then you flash forward 20 years, and Chrissy is an adult, and Chrissy is a mom of a young child, and she's trying to provide this child with the life that she didn't get And you see this, it's really like, she knows what she did as a child was wrong. She's trying to make amends to all of that through being a great mother to her own daughter. So now all of a sudden you're just like, okay, Chrissy, I'm here for you. Right. And then she starts to get phone calls um, that are bringing up her past and, and the boy that she killed. And she's just trying to like work through everything while keeping her child safe, but also addressing that she was maybe a murderer at age eight.
0: I feel like I started this one after you talked about it the first time. I would like to read this one because- It was so well done. It hooks you from that first chapter. If you can stomach what's happening in the first- couple of pages, then I think you'll be hooked from the very beginning.
1: It's so well done. Cause that one out of all three of these really does feel like a social behavior study. It's, it's a thriller in that you want to read because you want to know what's going on with Chrissy and what's going to happen next If she'll fall back into her ways, how she got out of it. Also what drives an eight year old to kill a kid. Like that's nuts. But then it's also this like slow moving look into Chrissy's mindset, which was just so well done. And then my last one is the only one in hardcover only because I don't think they're ever going to put it in paperback, which is a real shame. And that's three by D.A. Mishani. And this is another one. I think I sent this out in 2020. I think so too. I think so. As one of my... As one of my shelf subscriptions with the warning about how dark this book is. (laughs) And I remember I was wary about choosing it and I ran the plot line through several staffers, like play by play by play, (laughs) what happened because this book is a mind warp. It is so well done. I can't go into too many details because it will give away what happens, but it's written in three parts and every part is a different woman. So the first woman you meet is this lady named Orna and she is recently divorced and her kid is going through kind of a weird period of his life because his dad's not there anymore and he's a little bit depressed about it. And so Orna is also in a weird part where she's like ready to get back into the dating field and like all this stuff. So she meets this guy, Gil, and he's great. And they go on several dates and they even take like trips abroad. And she's like, He's perfect but there's something weird about him and she can't put a pin in it. Like everything he says is exactly what she wants him to say, but there's just something off about him. And then you learn why. And then you meet the next woman. And like, it is just, you think you know where this book is headed and then you hit the last 20 pages and you're like, nope, did not see that coming at all. It was so well done. And the, the characters are, are so realistic. I was cheering for Orna through that whole first part so bad. It was, it was excellent writing.
0: I remember you kind of going through that book with staffers because you were trying to think, you were trying to decide if it was like too dark to be a shelf subscription, but it's one of those things where, you know, because you want to talk about it so much that it's the book you should send out as shelf subscription. Yes, exactly. That sounds like a delight. Well, is delightful flight the word I want to say? That sounds like a thrilling and chilling flight. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It really does sound like page turners, which when I am doing beach reading, that's what I want. I really like to do, when I go to the beach, like for a week, I really like to do a book a day. I really do.
1: Something that just absorbs you.
0: Yeah. So my flight then is a little bit different because (laughs) I do like to read, when I go to the beach. My family has gone to the beach before for a week at a time and I really do like to read a book a day. But I also like a book that I can talk about with my family. So when I go to the beach with my extended family, there it's literally like a, a line of beach chairs and we all probably have a different book across genres and we all at various points maybe are looking up from our book and talking about what we're reading or what have you. It's one of my favorite memories of beach going with my family. So I thought Yes, you can do a rom-com. You can do a thriller. But I think The Unsung Hero of the Beach Read is a well-written nonfiction book. And I think the key here is well-written and compelling because there are well-written biographies that are really good and really dense, I don't consider those beach reads. When I am talking about a nonfiction beach read, I mean one that you can sit on the beach and read and not be too bogged down in the minutia. I think about Eric Larson. He's really good for this. One of my favorite beach reads of several years ago was Dead Wake, which is his book about the sinking of Lysutania. So that doesn't sound like a beach read, but I was just immediately compelled. I remember reading parts aloud to my dad. So that's what I tried to think of. So this This book flight is called The Things to Ponder Flight, because I think there is no better place to ponder than by the water. And the first book in this flight is The Teachers. This is by Alexandra Robbins. It is the one I am most interested in. It's the only one in this flight that I have not finished reading. So this is a new book just come out. So it is in hardback which is normally for me a beach read, no, no, but I'm making some exceptions today. So the teachers is journalistic nonfiction and the journalist Alexandra Robbins has observed three teachers over the course of a year. A, I believe it's a middle school teacher in the South, an East Coast educator, and then a special education teacher in the either Midwest or West. And she follows them over the course of a year while also conducting other interviews with teachers across the country. I come from a family of educators. I also <laughs> I also feel like much like nurses in the last few years or healthcare workers in the last few years, teachers are, are really being expected to perform monumental tasks that, that you and I really can't even begin to comprehend. And so I like the idea of reading a book that will put me in a classroom that will help me to see what teachers are having to endure. I hear these things from my friends. I hear them from my brother, but the fact that a reporter. I mean, I love journalism. I love really good journalists. And so somebody who took their time to really get to know these teachers and observe them in their classrooms and to see the battles that they're fighting in and outside the classroom, I'm really curious about. And one of our listeners, Jennifer, I think I saw that she was reading this already. She's an educator and she was loving what she's reading. So I'm very curious about this book. It is The Teachers by Alexandra Robbins. It's the book that I am going to read next. I just finished Monsters. This is by Claire and. Okay, this book, I was so thrilled to see this when it came out. I listened to it, but I actually almost wish I had read it because I kind of wanted to write in it. And that's why I'm including it on this flight. But frequently in our line of work, and really just as human beings, if you listen to music, read books, consume culture in any way, I think we are constantly grappling with the question, how do we separate art from artists? Is it possible? So Claire Dieterer, when she's talking about monsters, what she's talking about is men, and occasionally women, but it is, it is mostly men, who perform monstrous behaviors, who are seemingly monsters in our culture, and how do we still consume their art? So she starts with the movie, the filmmaker Roman Polanski, but she moves into people like Michael Jackson, you know, how do we still listen to his music after we know the things he is alleged to have done? And so I was so fascinated by this work. It's really a work of literary or cultural criticism, but it's asking these questions that I feel like I'm asking all the time when I'm stocking books, when I'm picking songs for store playlists, like I'm thinking about, oh no, like who sang this? Who wrote this? How did they behave? And then I'm also asking, well, does that, mean that we can't consume their work anymore? What if their work is beautiful? What if their work is true, even though they are a little bit scummy or a lot scummy? And so anyway, she addresses this so thoughtfully. It feels academic at a couple of points, but mostly it is really, even though she's a cultural critic, it is mo- mostly the work of someone who consumes a lot of pop culture asking herself this question and trying to grapple with the answer. I loved it. I think I'll be thinking about it for a really long time. I think it would lead to some really great beachside conversation. If your family is like my family, I don't expect them to be, but if they are, this could be really interesting. And then the last book that I think would be a little bit lighter, so a good way to round out the flight, is The Life Council. This is by Laura Tremaine. Paperback original came out earlier this year, maybe even just last month. And this book is about friendship. And much like her first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, what I think Laura Tremaine does really well is present you, the reader, with questions she wants you to answer and you to journal. So even if you are reading the book and you're like, well, I'm not really like Laura or I don't know that I have the same things that she's talking about. What she's writing about, I think, will lead you to do your own investigation into your own life. So in The Life Council, she's writing about the 10 friends she says every woman should have. Jordan already saw this one on my nightstand. I've just got about 10 pages left. And he he told me, he said, I want to talk about it when you're done because I'm curious if men are also supposed to have a life council and are the same 10 friends. Are men supposed to have the same 10 friends? Anyway, it's going to lead to a very fun conversation between me and Jordan. It has made me kind of analyze my own friendships and just look at them in different ways. I think adult friendship is one of the best gifts in life. And it's also one of the things you have to work hardest at. So you could start with the teachers, which I think will be heavy, but also takes the lives of three different teachers. And so I think it will be pretty easy to get into. Then I think The middle part of the flight will be monsters, which I think will be the harder book to read. And then the third book will kind of wrap up in this kind of lighter way that allows you to have good conversations about friendships with either your own friends or your family. So the teachers, monsters, and the life council, all part of this things to ponder flight. I love this
1: flight. Did you ever at any point feel like 10 friends was a lot of friends?
0: Yes, if you think of them as all your like best friends, but that like her argument is, for example, one of them, the one I can think off the top of my head, one of the people she talks about is your business bestie. And what she means is just like who in your life understands your professional life. So that could be like your coworker, who's your best friend at work, your work, you know, I really always hated this phrase, but like your work wife, your work husband, or your mentor at work. And so like, I would normally not consider that person a friend. But I think she's trying to get you to expand your definition of friend because I think we are currently in a loneliness epidemic in America. And I think she's trying to get you to realize you might have more friends than you think if you would be willing to expand beyond maybe what we thought of as best friends in our childhoods.
1: I heard 10 and I had a little moment because I was just like, (laughs) do normal people have 10? Seems like a lot. Double
0: digit friends. Like, have you ever seen that diagram about friendships and like the circles, the concentric circles? And it's mm-hmm. like how many people are supposed to be in your biggest outermost circle and then get down to really maybe your spouse, your partner, whatever. Uh, you would find it fascinating. I think it's called the friendship circles, but it's very database. You should look into that. <laughs> I will look into
1: that. <laughs> Categorize my friends. They'll love yeah. that. Yeah, I think you I think you would love that. I, I will. And then when I use it against one of them, well, you're just not that friend.
0: You're just my (laughs) business bestie. So I
1: don't really, (laughs) I don't need you to weigh in here. (laughs) Okay. My next flight is just a touch of murder. This is, I would say more like, no, I think it's all PG murder mysteries um, with a very like classic feel of murder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not that new age murder. Um, (laughs) I also pair these all together because they all have like very distinct settings. So it's either like a big house or in one of them, it's a big hotel, but they all have very distinct settings in that, in that way. The first one is by author Colleen Cambridge, which I recently talked about in another podcast because she just had the Julia Child murder mystery. Oh yeah, okay. Yes, this one is the first in a series. Um, it's Murder at Malouin Hall, and this features Agatha Christie's head household. Her name mm. is Phillida Bright, and she's like she runs that house, and she's like very loyal and very protective of Agatha Christie, who Agatha only makes like very sparse appearances in this book, which I appreciate. It's the same as like the Julia Child murder mystery. Julia came in to add this little light to the room and Mm -hmm. then would go away. And Agatha does the same thing, which I think is, is really smart to do because I think a lot of people could get hung up on a real character like that. So Phillida is at the, at Agatha Christie's like mansion of a house. And they're having like this weekend party when this visitor arrives, like late at night on one Saturday evening. And no one really knows who he is. So they're just kind of like, yeah, I guess you can stay here because it's that time period where it's just like, well, either that or you get like in your horse and buggy <laughs> and like, <laughs> take off miles down the road. And so he stays there, but in the morning, Philida is going around like inspecting the rooms and this man is found dead in the library. So it has a very like clue type feel to it, like who killed the man in the library, you know, mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Um, but it was just really well done. And she starts kind of going through the guest list and, and asking people questions. She has a very funny relationship with the head butler as well, because he's kind of like, I don't know where you get all of this authority from. Mm-hmm. And Phillida is very bright. No pun intended, but also a little <laughs> fun. My next one is one probably a lot of people have read. I know you read it. The Maid mm-hmm. by Nita Prose. I go back to this book so many times because I just think it was so... It This was a delightful mystery. Mm-hmm. Molly Gray is a maid, not even head maid. She's just a maid <laughs> at this hotel. <laughs> but she's like their best made. Um, She is so dedicated to her job. It's it's wild. It is like her life. And you start to realize why she is so dedicated to her job and why she puts so much heart into this because something recently in her life just happened. But she is also, she struggles with social skills. She doesn't She's not good at reading people's intentions. She doesn't get sarcasm. I think she rarely gets a joke. And so she doesn't know how to read people if they're being friendly to her or if they're taking advantage of her. So Molly has this customer who it's like the wife of this like rich guy. And she's always very cordial and very friendly with her. She's very nice to Molly and Molly appreciates that and then one day when this couple is staying at the hotel the husband is found murdered in his bed Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the cops are looking at molly as if she did it because she was like the last one in the room to like clean it and whatnot i guess she still kept cleaning while he was dead in the room because it's (laughs) molly and she's doing her job so molly gets framed for murder but molly doesn't have the skill set to kind of know mm-hmm. that she's being framed and set up and who to trust and who not to trust. And then out of the woodwork comes this like group of friends that she didn't know had her back the whole time, which was really lovely. She's also this just like hopeless romantic of a person. She's a great character. You're she's rooting so for her. She's so well done. Yes. Mm-hmm. The whole time. And you should yeah. be rooting for her. Yes. There's, it's not like this crazy twist where you're just like, Molly's actually an axe right. murderer. Like right. Molly's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you haven't read that one, it's definitely worth reading. And then my last one, which is still out in hardcover, I was hoping it would come out in paperback in time for this, but it is not. I think it's like September sometime. But this is Lavender House by Lev A. C. Rosen. And this is set in like 1952. Again, is set at like a big house mansion type situation mm-hmm. where the matriarch of this kind of household, Irene. Lamontane just recently died. Uh, she was found like pushed off a a balcony in the house and everyone just assumes it was an accident, but it's also kind of under suspicious circumstances because Irene owned this like huge soap empire. Uh, she was like famous for making soap and like creating like the perfect scent of her soap. (laughs) And so everyone kind of starts to look at each other in this house because the other thing is this house holds like all these different people. It's kind of their safe space, not only because they're guarding the soap recipe, but because it's 1952 and everyone who lives in this house is a part of the LGBTQ plus family. And so they know that if they invite a normal cop to come look into how Irene died, that their secret is up. Um, And they're probably like their soap empire will crash and a lot of bad things will happen to them. So in walks Andy, poor Andy, who, when you meet him in this book, he becomes your favorite person you've ever (laughs) met. (laughs) Andy is an ex cop, but like recently ex cop because he is gay and he was found at a gay club while the police started raiding it. Like his coworkers started raiding it. And then he was brutally kicked out of the police station and he didn't know what to do with his life. And then Irene's partner approaches him and is like, hey, would you want to come to the Lavender house and figure out what happened to my wife? And so he does. And it's one of those like mysteries where you know it's someone in the room, but you don't want it to be anyone in the room because you Mm -hmm. like them so much. (laughs) It was a great, like, found family meets, again, like, a clue type murder mystery.
0: Yeah, it almost sounds like if TJ Klune had written a mystery.
1: Yes, that's what yeah. it felt like. I, I hope he writes another one because it was excellent.
0: It does sound really good. Andy sounds. It sounds like all of those in The Flight have really wonderful characters who you really love.
1: Yes, there's, there's a character that you grab onto and you really enjoy. So those are our four recommended
0: book flights. All of the books are available, obviously, individually on the Bookshelf website. If you want to just purchase a flight, like you have an upcoming trip that you're taking or a vacation you've got on the calendar and you just want to get one of these flights because you know you're going to read them all at the beach or whatever, we do have the flights listed on the website as well. So all of the book flights we've created are available for purchase on the website as are each individual book. So if you're a DIY reader who wants to create their own, flight of books, you can do that too. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com and type 425 into the search bar. This week, I'm reading Kayla by Colin Walsh. Olivia, what are you reading?
1: I'm reading Lay Your Body Down by Amy Suter-Clark.
0: From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins,
1: Lori Johnson.
0: Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.